Super Talk Mississippi media production. Free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Well, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Eagle Hour, and we're glad you're with us around the state, wherever you're tuned in. Opening segment of the Eagle Hour every day is sponsored by our good friends at Dickie's Barbecue Pit. Just heard their commercial, and I just want to remind you what great people those guys are and how they will help you. Uh, with everything you need for your next catering event. And, of course, they serve delicious food 24-7, just about. Now, they're not open 24 hours a day, but just about. And seven days a week, you can enjoy great Dickie's barbecue. All right, Patrick McGee is in New Orleans. He is now with uh, NOLA.com. Have I got that right, Patrick? Yeah, that's that's the simplest way to put it. You get calls about three or four different things, but NOLA.com probably is the, is the most the best way, to, the easiest way to say it. And are you in the Big Easy today? Yes, I am. I'm actually sitting here. If it sounds echoey, I'm sitting inside of an empty apartment right now. I've been over here cleaning it. I smell like pine saw and bleach. <laughs> uh, but that's that's been the uh, it's New Orleans is feeling pretty empty right now. A lot of people haven't made it back, so it's kind of a yeah. eerie feeling being back in the city. Just curious, are, are the lights on in your part of New Orleans? Yeah, uh, it, they, mine came on Monday night. And up and down magazine, I think it's been a little bit of struggle in certain pockets to get the lights on. There's still, you see some light poles down, wires hanging in the street. It was, the drive over was a little sobering. Uh, a lot of those apartments in East, New Orleans East really got torn up. Uh, but it, once you get into New Orleans proper, really uh, everything made it out okay. But you see a lot of trees down, a lot of, a lot of limbs in the streets, and, and people are slowly cleaning up. I got you. All right, Patrick. Well, we're glad you're uh, getting moving in. Uh, obviously, not a good week for Southern Miss football as the Golden Eagles are, I think it's fair to say, kind of spanked by South Alabama. You know, uh, when you were on the show last week, you made a comment that I thought was so true. You said Southern Miss is expected to beat South Alabama and Louisiana Monroe, schools like that based on their history. But, Patrick, two in a row by South Alabama. Yeah, a lot of history I, I spoke of is has kind of diluted, uh, and not, not to discount what Southern Miss has done, but in the last decade, it's it's a new era of college football with uh, so many uh, new programs on board, including South Alabama, uh, Louisiana Lafayette was basically irrelevant, you know, eight, nine, ten years ago, and and now they're you know obviously beating Southern Miss for some recruits in Louisiana and elsewhere. They're playing really good football, so yeah, it's that. Losing like they did at South Alabama. I mean, last year was pretty bad. But this past Saturday was was worse in terms of uh, how badly they were beaten, and it was it was pretty surprising. Uh, you know, it, I I wasn't that surprised to see the offense struggle from the outset. It looked like they had some key pieces uh, not in the mix, and uh, you're, I, you know, everybody kind of expected a lot out of Trello this season. I did as well. But I was also always wondering if, if he was going to have that consistency from week to week. Because obviously we didn't see that last season. We just saw it in the season finale. So, uh, you know, can he bounce back? And 
and you know build some confidence this week is 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 crucial for his season going forward. Patrick, I'm going to ask you the same question I asked the guys yesterday on the show, and I, I think it's kind of a question that people don't want to hear in a sense. But uh, obviously, this new coach is is, uh, is is coaching a large majority of the players he did not recruit. Is there right, enough yeah. ta- is there enough talent on this Southern Miss football team to compete right now for a conference championship? Uh, no, I I didn't. I wasn't under that impression. You know, coming into the season, no. Uh, you know, I, I've pointed out uh, multiple, multiple times before that, you know, uh, Southern Miss has got a fair amount of players back who maybe, you know, uh, thanks to the COVID season, they're able to come back, you know, Arvin Fletcher, guys like that. Uh, but there's a lot of teams that have players like that coming back. And then you look at South Alabama and what they were able to do through the transfer portal uh, with their quarterback and other things. They really, you know, I think hit on a lot of the right spots they needed and got in really good transfers and, and Southern Miss got in, you know, with the guys they added, they were just kind of filling gaps here and there trying to build depth. Uh, but, you know, it's like somebody like a South Alabama added difference makers through the transfer portal. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of experienced teams out there thanks to the COVID season. And Southern Miss just, just you know, even though they have plenty of experience, they just don't have that that quality, depth, just overall numbers, at, you know, at, at most positions that a lot of teams are, are, are going to have. I mean, Southern Miss is going to be capable of maybe getting a six win if they get things going. But, uh, it's you know, it's it's going to be a tough tough Saturday every week. It's going to be – it's nothing can be taken for granted. All right, let's get in here with the professor. Patrick, um, where's the more overconfidence? Overconfidence in the fan base that this could be fixed ASAP more or, or overconfidence uh, maybe perhaps among the coaching staff? I mean, I was proud of the defense. I thought the defense, mm-hmm. we knew there was gonna, they were going to take some shots on the outside and we were going to get burned with pressure, and you know, that happened. I, I guess offensively, was there too much overconfidence maybe on both sides thinking that you know, they could come out and you know, score 30, 35 a game? Yeah, well, I mean, I you know, I, I thought this was going to be a team that needed to score, you know, 28 a week at least to, to have a really good shot to win football games. You know, a defense that can maybe hold them to 21, 24 points roundabout. And, and you know, you know, and, uh, you know this, that probably would have happened this past Saturday if the offense really produced much at all. You know, So I, I think the defense is probably about what you expect is just the offense did absolutely underperform. Uh, you know, I, I saw some names missing from the box score. Like, I'm not plugged in like I used to. Uh, so I'm not sure, really sure what the case is. But, you know, t- to not have a Brownlee really out there or, or contributing is a big deal. So, I don't, you know, uh, so, I, you know, I, I, you know, going forward, there's got to be concern about the offense. And the Frank Gore is obviously going to produce pretty much every week or they're they going to have a consistent passing game. That's really what it comes down to, and that passing game was pretty bad statistically a week ago. Yeah, Brownlee, I think he had two targets and uh, maybe three targets. He had uh, two drops and didn't have a catch, to your point. I, I guess, you know, I went back and, and examined more, and, and this whole sky is falling deal. You know, you mentioned 28 points. That's what they were in line to get. Um, they they, they uh, had to punt on South Alabama's side of the field after a fumble, but they, they fumbled the ball twice. 
inside the 10-yard line. One was a giveaway. The other was a fourth down they recovered, but it was a turnover on downs. And then they had a punt return that was called back for for a hold. So, I mean, that was 28 points. And you take away the pick six and, you know, Southern Miss wins 28-24. That's kind of the way that I saw it. So, you know, I guess uh, that that's a silver lining. The, the, the box score is 31-7. That's the final. But I, I think some of the sky is falling. Uh, you know, the earth is caving in. It's over. I think that's probably spoken way too soon. Yeah, yeah. There's no point in giving up now and saying, well, you know, we'll get him next season. That's not the way to look at it. I mean, Trey Lowe is capable of going out there and putting together a good game, as we've seen before out of that Florida Atlantic contest. And and throughout the spring and fall, he looked really steady back there. Not always consistent passing the ball in practice, just from what I've seen, uh, but he's perfectly capable they're just going to figure out, you know, the best way to put him in posi- position to succeed. And eventually they'll get it. You know, eventually they'll find a way to make this offense move. Uh, you know, and this week's a, will be – it's really important that it, that, it, that it starts this week against a team like this if they're going to kind of get some momentum at least some point going through the first four or five weeks of the season. Patrick, I want to congratulate my partner on finding a way to pull out a 28-24 win uh, with uh, with what happened Saturday night. I hope that optimism uh, stays, I mean, stays I mean, with like, him. No, but, but seriously, I mean, tell me where I'm wrong on that. Tell me where I'm wrong on that. That was three touchdowns that were left on the field, and you take away the pick six with a minute left, it's 28-24. Patrick, yeah, well, I mean, you're the sports writer, Patrick. Go ahead. Yeah, well, I mean, if you, I mean, all you got to do is go back to the stat line on Trey Lowe. I mean, he, he, you know, he, there just wasn't anywhere close to what you need out of that. And if the passing game's not is going to be like that, it's going to, you know, they're going to be putting up seven or ten or fourteen points a week. So if they get the passing game remedy, they'll be fine. Uh, but it, you know, it, you got to have some balance back there, and they just they didn't have it. So once they figure out the balance. I think we're going to see 28 points. Right. And uh, this week should be a good week to get better. Am I correct about that? Yeah, it absolutely has to be. Uh, you know, this is this is a, a big week, and, and, and Grambling is, you know, a solid team, uh, you know, at their level. But this is a week, this is a game that Southern Michigan should win handily. Can, can Grambling come in and compete with a Division One team? I think so. I mean, just whatever everything I've seen out of Grambling in recent seasons, I'm not that familiar with them this year. But, uh, you know, what Fobbs has done there, the former Southern Miss assistant, uh, he's built a pretty competitive program, you know, put them kind of back in a point where they compete consistently in the SWAC. And I think they brought in quality players. And Fobbs is a good coach. He really should have been the offensive coordinator in Ellis Johnson's one season. But <laughs> that, that staff had all kinds of issues beyond that. But, uh, you know, Fobbs was obviously one of the, uh, the better pieces of that staff, and he's got a good thing going at Grambling. All right, can you stick around just a little bit, Patrick? I want to get your thoughts about New Orleans kicking off their season and the NFL starting this week. Yeah, sure, sounds good. Patrick McGee's in the big city of New Orleans, and he'll be back on the Eagle Hour right after this.
Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, welcome back to the show. I want to thank our good friends out at Campus Bookmart and CampusBookmart.net for their sponsorship of the Eagle Hour. And you know that if you want to buy some Southern Miss apparel, that's where you need to go. Campus Bookmart on Hardy Street, the big black and yellow building. You can't miss it. You can also shop at CampusBookmart.net. All right, we've got our good buddy Patrick McGee, the professor. He's uh, live from New Orleans, Louisiana this afternoon. We're going to talk about the uh, Saints and what all's coming up there. But first, Patrick, uh, Luke had a really interesting question he wanted to follow up with you about uh, on uh, facilities in college athletics. Go ahead, Luke. Yeah, Patrick, so I was uh, sitting in Hancock-Whitney Stadium looking over, I guess it would have been the west side of the stadium, the home side, and I saw the brand-new indoor facility that that South Alabama has. It's really nice. It's not a traditional indoor because it is open-sided, but... You know, I heard the figure somewhere maybe six to eight million um, is what it would take. You know, for uh, for that to be done, and I could be off on that number. Anyway, Southern Miss does not have an indoor. When I played, the indoor was the rock because it had turf. It seems that's the the case now. Bad days, we would do walk through during uh, in the pain center. But you know, you're you're, you're in New Orleans now. Um, you know, you you see Tulane. You see uh, you've seen obviously with LSU, which is an unfair comparison. But, I mean, when you look at schools like South Alabama, like, bluntly, how far behind is Southern Miss on facilities? Pretty significantly when it comes to, to football. Uh, you know, obviously, prior to their football stadium being open, you know, South Alabama was at a disadvantage because they were playing off campus. Uh, but the, in terms of indoor facility and everything else, it, it does put South Alabama ahead, you know, in recruiting and just preparation in general. You know, it's – uh, so, you know, Southern Miss always has to work outdoors. You're right. They, they go inside the stadium because they've got turf. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I would think it'd be a fairly simple, of course, getting the money is a hard thing, but uh, just to cover one of the two practice fields uh, uh, there at the, uh, uh, just outside the athletic department building. And uh, that would make a big difference. It would, absolutely. Uh, but obviously, a lot of schools like Southern Miss are facing difficult financial times. Uh, you know, still dealing with the pandemic and everything that comes with it and, and just the, the drop in attendance. So it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's got to happen for Southern Miss to compete with the two lanes that Southern Miss is, and we all see what UAB has got going now. Uh, they've got a really good thing with their new football stadium, and, and uh, they keep investing in facilities at UAB. In, in terms of football, Southern Miss has been able to make, you know, modest investments that can make a difference, whether it's a nutrition center you know, uh, upgrading the weight room over the years. Uh, they've been able to do that, but they, at some point there has to be a, a, a significant investment, uh, I think, in a practice facility. And at some point I think they're going to have to put a little money into the football stadium again. It, it's something as simple as putting a new press box in. I can, speak, I can speak from a distance. That really needs to be completely rebuilt just to make it more modern uh, and, and being able to do, you know, a national TV broadcasts is really kind of difficult. It was never really a problem for me on the, you know, on what I did, but in terms of TV broadcast, uh, they were able to do some things to kind of fix some leaks and stuff like that over the years. But the press box really needs to be completely redone. I know that's something the fans don't really think about, but uh, there has to be money put into the stadium and, and in the practice facilities. Patrick, you named two schools that have surpassed USM in facilities, uh, UAB and South Alabama. Both have medical schools. To what degree yeah. does, does that play into this? And I guess Tulane has medical school as well. Tulane as well, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, those those are schools with money. You know, those are you know they they turn out boosters that have uh, a little extra cash laying around. 
And, uh, you know, we, we all know that Southern Miss is a school that turns out a lot of wealthy people. Of course, there's plenty of wealthy people coming out of Southern Miss, not anywhere near as much as a, a Tulane or a UAB, I would say. Uh, you know, but uh, you, you just look at what South Alabama's done. You know, that basketball facility's been there a long time now. That's still top-notch. Uh, they've got the football stadium, the facility, you know, the practice facility, baseball stadium is perfectly fine, one of the better ones in the region as well, along with Pete Taylor Park. So, yeah, I mean, facilities-wise, uh, you know, you've got a lot of schools in the region that now have a leg up on Southern Miss. Right, and UAB has a practice facility downtown, and I understand building a new football stadium as well. So, um, so that that obviously is a dilemma. All right, Patrick, about five minutes left in the segment. Let's move on to the NFL it kicks off uh, Thursday night, and uh, then the New Orleans Saints. Uh, you know, the Saints gets get beat up so much by hurricanes. Here they are on the road again. We're going to open at home against the Green Bay Packers. What an opening game that would have been for the Saints. But they're in Jacksonville, Florida, I understand, playing uh, the Pack. Uh, what do you think about the Saints as the season kicks off? I, I, I feel pretty good uh you know what they've been able to do here uh just the last day or two to upgrade the secondary uh you had uh roby a cornerback out of tech uh, from the texans through a trade and you you pick up desmond trufon another veteran cornerback those are both cornerbacks they'll be able to help out they left uh preseason preparations with only three corners on the depth chart so now they've kind of uh, got their numbers up and guys that are quality guys so i you know defensively i feel better about them Today, I did about 36 hours ago. Uh, so you've got more depth there in the secondary. And, and Ken Crawley played really well at corner uh, during the preseason. And, and that front seven is pretty dang solid as long as everybody stays healthy and if Marcus uh, Davenport can stay on the field. Uh, and Jameis Winston, you know, you would have liked to have seen more just because they had to cancel last preseason game. So, uh, But that small sample that we got out of Jameis Winston in the preseason looked pretty promising. Uh, you, you would like to have Michael Thomas out there. Uh, they're early in the season. Marquez Callaway looks like kind of a breakout star for the Saints. He'll be their number one guy there. So I, I think the Saints look like you know look like a, at least a wild card playoff team right now. In, in, from from my point, Luke Johnson. I, with all respect to Drew Brees, I really don't think the Saints are going to take much of a step back. I think they're going to be highly competitive and uh, in the mix when the end of the year comes around. Me too, and, and and Patrick, I guess uh, looking at this game, um, and it's partly because they're not playing in the dome. At the same token, I mean, I think the Saints are what a four point underdog. I'm kind of perplexed though at the uh, the over under. People really believing in the Saints defense and the Packers. The over under is only fifty. You would think in a game like this, somebody would get to thirty points. Yeah, I, I guess thirty twenty is possible. You know, something like that. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I would expect a fairly high scoring game, but. Uh, you know, I think the Packers are breaking in uh, several new guys on their offensive line uh, and going up against a healthy defensive front for the Saints and getting Quan Alexander back at linebacker. Uh, I like the Saints to be pretty good yeah, that's big. Uh, up front. Uh, so I, I would think that, you know, the Saints have a little bit of advantage uh, in the trenches. So I, I could see the Saints easily, you know, uh, the defense playing very well against Packers. What uh, what's kind of been the talk about Pete Warner from from Ohio State? He's a guy, and, and this is a, a joke, but I've I've been wanting to pick him up, you know, in fantasy league. We have individual defensive players in in a dynasty league, and because I think he's going to be a tackle machine for a long time. How how long before he kind of plays more than he will not play? You know, I don't know much about him. I know I'm looking here, and I guess he's considered questionable. 
for the opener. So I, I, you know, at this point, I, I don't see much out of him early in the season. Uh, Zach Bond, you know, Bond really had a good preseason. He'll probably plug in there with Alexander as the, the weak side linebacker. So I, I don't think Werner uh, is somebody that will get get on the field a whole lot early in the season. Just 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 my take from my point. But it was like with with Bond, real, real quick, Bob. Yeah, with right. Bond, I mean, he was big time out of uh, Wisconsin last year. Right. Didn't play much, but it seems like he is going to step up and, and be a tackle uh, machine this year. Yeah, yeah. It seemed like things really kind of starting to click for him here in season number two. He played well in the preseason. I would think he'd be an impact guy. You know, I think one big advantage the Saints have over everybody, guys, and I'd like to get both your input. And, and you know, you know, you talk a lot about Drew Brees in the past. You talk a lot about. Uh, you know, all the Saints talent on the field. But, you know, they've got a coaching staff that's been there for a long time. Mm-hmm. And uh, Sean Payton, I guess, probably has as much longevity as anybody in the league, Patrick. And, you know, he's a secret weapon, man. As long as he's coaching your football team, you're going to be competitive. Yeah, and you know he is just going to be uh, just really pressing and, 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 and really wanting to have a great season this year to kind of prove his worth, you know. Right. Uh, he said right. Drew Brees is his quarterback, and he takes a lot of pride. He's a very confident guy. And you're right, that staff he's got is, is you know, now that they've got Dennis Allen there at defensive coordinator, it seems like there's really a good balance throughout the staff, and it's all basically still there. And uh, Jameis Winston has always been a talented quarterback. If you put him under a Sean Payton for a, a good two seasons, I, I would expect him to be a significantly better quarterback. Right. You know, this year and Jameis just looks different. I mean, he's lost weight. He's he's taken things really seriously. It seems he's matured. I don't think Jameis is ever going to be quite to the Drew Brees level of maturation. But uh, I I think you know Winston's probably at the at the best point of his career. You know that we've seen just. And I I'm really interested to see what he does once he gets the full complement of weapons around him. Great point about uh, Sean Payton wanting to prove that he's the secret sauce. Uh, in the yeah. in the success of the New Orleans Saints and and I, I guys I just think from what I watched in the preseason uh, Winston realizes this is his last chance and uh, you know it could be a big, it could be a big deal for him uh, to be successful Patrick uh, real quickly uh, with New Orleans yeah. this year right yeah I mean he has got that potential for a special season if he if he ever cuts down on the interceptions like by half I mean he's a he's a Pro Bowl quarterback I mean that's what he is. Right. So I, I, I think Jameis has got it, an opportunity here to be really good. But if he goes out there and throws his interceptions, it's going to be a really up-and-down season. All right, Patrick, appreciate your time, man. Get back to moving in. We'll talk to you next week. Okay, thanks, guys. Patrick McGee, everybody. NOLA.com. Great insight on the New Orleans Saints. We'll be bringing that to you all season long. We'll do that. Appreciate Patrick McGee joining us. Good, uh, good perspective. Looking at a lot of things, Southern Miss faces as uh, they move on in this football season. Appreciate Patrick's time as he's back in uh, in the Big Easy reporting for NOLA.com's the digital editor. Third segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you by Four Street Bar and Grill, Chicken Fried Chicken. 
and Country Fried Steak was on the menu today. Jeopardy! Play Along starts at 4.30 today at 4th Street Bar and Grill. Some sports should be on the television also. NFL opens up tomorrow night. You can watch it all at 4th Street Bar and Grill. Luke Johnson, Bob Getty from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg, and Laurel Kelly Santer joins us now, and a lot to discuss with Kelly. I guess first off, Kelly, you know what to make of uh, some of the things Coach Will Hall saying this week, self-deprecating, some of it humorous. Um, yesterday, asked when uh, what was the uh, the thing that jumped out to him the most when he uh, he looked at the tape. He said, "What a terrible head coach we have! What a terrible head coach we have!" That is being uh, addressed right now, but. This uh, just said today after practice today, a little eyebrow raising. Uh, this is what Will Hall had to say. I hope our guys are excited. Uh, I'm not excited. My life's on the line. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, I feel like every day I wake up that, that since I've gotten here, I've let a lot of people down, and we've got to overcome that, and we've got to play better. Because uh, right now I'm probably the biggest fraud to come through this place in the last 50 years. So uh, we've got to play better and get this program going. Says he's the biggest, feels like he's the biggest fraud to come through Southern Miss in the last 50 years. Need to read into that at all, Santa? Or, I mean, is just him just kind of spouting frustration with himself? I think that's what leaders do. Leaders take responsibility for the people that they're in charge of. Uh, he didn't deflect to the players, he hasn't made any excuses. He, said the, he says the buck stops with him. And I think that Mississippians and indeed Americans in general, when a person humbles themselves and takes responsibility, I think they have a lot of patience and understanding. Just listening to some Southern Miss fans in the past, most recent past, what frustrated a lot of Southern Miss fans is that Coach Hobson never really took responsibility for anything that happened. Um, the coach's name, who we will, are not supposed to mention, uh, who was who was indeed uh, the the biggest fraud. fraud that came through? Yes, yes. Um, always claimed that you know that Southern Miss that he had the best staff assembled and and pretty much blamed the players for the lack of production on the field. So what I read into what Will Hall said is he's being a leader. He's not blaming anybody but himself, and he knows he knows what he's got, and and he knows that they're not that bad. But that's what leaders do. And I, I respect the fact that he's done that. I agree. Good point, Kelly. And, and let me just throw this in for everybody that may be listening. Give the man a chance. He's coached one yes. football game. Give the man an opportunity to recruit his own players, get his own system in place, and my word, take a deep breath. Todd and Munkin we- started 4-21. and 21. Right, right. Larry Fedora started Two and six. Jeff Bauer in his first season, if you count the bowl game the year before, was like four, eight, and one. Yeah, give the man time. My word. And, and again, you're, you're talking about him playing, as you just said, Bob, he's playing with Coach Hobson's players. That's 100%. And Coach Hobson yeah. never really took any responsibility for right. any of that. Right. So, but, but all that being said, Southern Miss not, not getting any love in any of the rating services uh, across the country. The Sagarin ratings are out today, and much to the chagrin of Southern Miss fans, only Old Dominion is ranked worse in Conference USA than Southern Miss. We've referred to in years past the Massey ratings, which we refer to you know, often. Right now, of the 130 teams that play Division I football, Southern Miss, according to the Massey ratings, is 123rd out of 130. Old Dominion is ranked 
125th. So thank goodness for the monarchs at this point. But elsewhere in Conference USA, according to the Massey ratings, Marshall is the best team in the league. They're checking in 61st. Texas San Antonio continues to get love from across the country. The Masseys have UTSA ranked right behind Marshall at 69. Then comes Charlotte at 84, UAB at 85. And a side note here, the Golden Eagles will play, of course, Grambling this weekend, but then Troy comes to town a week from Saturday. Troy is ranked 80th in the latest Massey ratings. Of course, Troy from the Sunbelt Conference. So, again, I respect the fact that Will Hall is, is – yeah, I think we need to get him some some of those little daily aspirations or whatever whatever you call them. <laughs> they, you know, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. Coach is not – he's not a fraud. He doesn't need to think of himself no. that way. My word. No, My word. but uh, – yeah, but, but nobody – This was – um, nowhere, nowhere to go but up, you know? This was pretty interesting um, – what Will Hall said about about Trey Lowe. This was in the press conference yesterday. He did not play as bad as what everybody thinks. If you come and watch the tape, there were a lot of things that people could have done to help him. The last pick, the pick six, was humiliating. Everybody thought that was on him. That's part of playing quarterback. But he had a perfect read. We were hot on an overload blitz. He makes the hot read to throw to the back, and the back doesn't look to catch the ball. That's not his fault. That's the running back's fault, and that's my fault for not coaching better. He played extremely hard and bounced back from extreme duress. He made a lot of big throws. He missed some throws. He missed some plays he'd like to have back. we got to get better at the quarterback position. I'm the quarterback coach, so that ultimately falls on me. He's taking up for his quarterback, Kelly. At the same time, you know, with what you said, he knows Trey's got to play better. Um, but there, there's a lot of things, and, and again, keyboard warriors, and, and sometimes I can overlap into that. We don't, and, and as a former football player, you don't know as a fan what goes on. You don't know. You're just watching a reaction to a reaction to reaction. You don't know what was called. You don't know what was seen. You don't know what was audible. And so sometimes, yeah, we we need, as Bob just said, really just to shut our mouth and let them get after it. And I've never coached, as I've mentioned many times, I've never coached a game of college football. But I have seen, you know, Trey Lowe enough that I think I can, you know, know that that certainly was not a very good game that he played on on Saturday but then again you know it was a unanimous vote i mean i don't think i don't think the whole lot of individuals necessarily played great games the defense as a unit you know i thought i thought played well um and but but by will hall making the comment that we have to get better at the quarterback position i think that sends a subliminal message to Trey Lowe that look you might be the starting quarterback this week but it's not guaranteed that you're going to be in the future if you don't continue to work, because you know the younger guys are going to are going to push him. But I but I still, as I mentioned yesterday, I still believe in Trey Lowe, and I think the guy's a stud. I think he's got a really yeah. good skill set that um, it just it just didn't show up Saturday, um, and and I think I think it'll change and quickly. All right, there is some uh, difficult news um, yeah. involving one of. Bob's former Washington players and uh, and two of my teammates. It's it's tough. We you know we were talking about it all fair and, and you'll bring it uh, this story, but it you know it seemed like this was uh, going on a couple years back and really haven't heard on it, and then it's resurfaced really in the last week or two. Yes, former Washington Redskins running back Clinton Portis, who is a native of Laurel, uh, has pled guilty today to uh, fraudulent making fraudulent claims to the NFL health care system health plan. 
but also uh, being indicted on charges include the former Southern Miss cornerback John Eubanks, former Southern Miss safety Ettrick Pruitt, Correll Buckhalter, who played at Nebraska, I think, but is a native of Collins, and Joe Horn, who uh, was had a great career with the New Orleans Saints and a native of Tupelo. They have all been charged with uh, filing fraudulent claims. In fact, the whole system, not just these players, but others included, but the entire uh, fund was fraudulently robbed of $2.5 million. This was all part of a 2006 collective bargaining agreement by the NFL Players Association that would allow players to petition that fund for an additional $350,000 in medical expenses not covered by the league's insurance plan. But it sure sure doesn't look good for, again, uh, some Southern Miss guys and, and some players of note. Again, Joe uh, Clinton Portis pleading guilty today. And, you know, we'll see what happens with John Eubanks, Ettrick Pruitt, Carell Ballcalter, and Joe Horn. But, but usually, you know, the old adage, when the, when the feds get involved, they've got the goods. So yeah. we'll see how this plays out. Uh, do you have any idea why there's such a Mississippi connection, Kelly? I don't, Bob, uh, other, than, other than, you know, the usually players who play together talk talk to each other. Uh, well, you know, they must have known one another. Yeah, they must have known each other outside of football. Eubanks was uh, was with the Redskins uh, for a time, and that, and then uh, Ettrick actually, he played for the Seahawks. He actually played in the Super Bowl um, for the Seahawks. And, uh, yeah, and I think – Buckalder played for the Eagles, maybe? And, and didn't uh, Eubanks get, get uh, drafted by the Bengals, Luke? I, I, I think thought, he started I off with got... Washington. I'll I'll research that. Hmm. Well, yeah. well, not good news. And uh, no, it's Kelly, not. stay on that. We got to report how that uh, how that works out. But uh, no, certainly uh, certainly not good news. Here's some good news, guys. Joy Lee McNellis is coming on the Eagle Hour tomorrow, so uh, we know that'll be pretty lively. And then next Wednesday, we've got the play by play voice of uh, the Troy Trojans lined up. He'll be joining us uh, on Wednesday, and we're going to have a preview of next week's opponent, uh, Troy University, and uh, a lot of connections there as well. Former assistant athletic director here is now the athletic director there, the former athletic director there, of course, now the athletic director here. We'll be back. To the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. Final segment on this Wednesday brought to you by DBAT and D1 Training. Good friends, Catherine Maloney, all the staff down at DBAT and D1. Great place to train, great place to get instructed. Always something going on at DBAT and D1 Training. DBATHattiesburg.com, proud sponsors of the Eagle Hour. 
Luke and Bob from the First Bank Studios in Laurel and Hattiesburg. Uh, First Bank been there for you in Mississippi for over a century. And, again, it's the home of the Perfect Ten, Reggie Collier, and a great people out there. They've been with us uh, from the beginning. They'll be there for you, First Bank. Proud studio sponsor of the Eagle Hour. If you go to southernmiss.com, you can read the entire Will Hall Media Conference uh, covering last week's game against South Alabama. Looking forward to Grambling. Talks about uh, some competition. There were some, a few, not not a bunch of big changes on the depth chart. Uh, got the uh, the game notes from Jack Duggan today. A couple oars, you know, and that's what they go to now, depending on who they're going to start. Uh, Narcus Driver, uh, a tight end, but at the fullback position, there's an oar beside him and Cole Cavallo, who will start at the the, uh, the fullback position. I was a little uh, wondering what happened with the slot wide receiver position. Dequan Bailey Brown was slated to start, but Brad Dennis, who if you guys don't know who that is, great story. Brad Dennis uh, played at Florence High School. He was a walk-on, earned a scholarship over the offseason, and started at slot receiver, actually led the Eagles with three catches, had some couple of nifty moves. So he's starting at the slot position. Uh, but really no changes other uh, than that going in. Um, but anyway, that's all on on Coach uh, on SouthernMiss.com and Coach Hall's press conference. Um, Kelly, uh, what else you got for us? And, and I guess uh, you know Southern Miss fans, as we echoed in that last segment, you, you got to give the man time. For, for sure, and I, and I think people, you know, uh, are, are reasonable, and, and will do that. You were talking about the, the Dennis kid, um, and what I think, you know, he's no bigger than a minute by football standards. He's not a big guy at all, right? So there are so many things about his story that really are encouraging to guys that aren't six five and and two hundred and forty pounds. You know, um, it, so if, if you do have the heart. And, and you have the desire and you have the work ethic, there, there's nothing stopping you. And I just, I love his story. And I love the fact that he's in there, you know, carrying the torch for, for the little guys. And I'm saying little guys as far as, as far as football goes. ESPN commentator Todd McShay is taking a leave of absence for quote-unquote health reasons. Uh, it was reported that in the last game that he did for ESPN as a sideline reporter last weekend, they had, Cut to him a couple of times, and people um, had made notes that McShay was slurring some words and certainly wasn't on top of his game, shall we say. Some folks even alleged that he might have been under the influence of uh, something that perhaps he shouldn't have been under the influence of while he was working. But nonetheless, McShay is taking a leave of absence from ESPN, and if he is having problems or issues along those lines, we certainly extend to him our best and hope that, that he can overcome that. But Todd McShay out, uh, at least on a temporary basis, at uh, ESPN. And as you mentioned, Luke, the National Football League season uh, begins tomorrow night with Tampa Bay playing the Dallas Cowboys. Latavius Murray running back for the New Orleans Saints, apparently no longer with the Saints after the Saints uh, management asked him to restructure his contract and as it is, take a, a, a small pay cut in order to rearrange some things for the Saints, where he promptly said no, he would not do that. So the New Orleans Saints said, good luck. You are no longer a New Orleans Saint. We'll see how that plays out. But right now they'll have to do without running back Latavius Murray going into the opener this weekend. Tampa and Dallas Who, tomorrow um, night. Yeah, Tampa, Tampa and Dallas. Dallas. Right. Who, who said that it wasn't fair? I, I, I was trying. I was doing a Google search trying to figure out who it was. Somebody in the national media said it wasn't fair for the Cowboys to have to open with the Buccaneers. Not just... Oh my goodness! Uh, well, you know, you know doing? how you know how for years I have 
talked about how Tom Brady's the golden boy and, and he always gets everything he wants. And again, I, I respect his accomplishments, but I mean, it's like they bend over backward for this guy. All right, so I, have, I was always under the impression that if you won the Super Bowl and were the world champions, that just because of that, your schedule next year was going to be really tough, right? I mean, based on all the way that works and the teams who are weaker would get weaker schedules the next year. Tampa Bay's schedule this year is the third easiest in the NFL. Now, I don't know how they determine all that stuff. Um, and as far as I know, Tampa doesn't play Cincinnati. But <laughs> That's a big factor there, Kelly. Yeah, well, they, yeah, and everybody's <laughs> the easiest schedule. But, but here you got Tampa Bay, the defending world champions, now getting ready to defend their title with the third easiest schedule. I mean, does anything ever work against Tom Brady. How many rings will he have after this year, Kelly? How many championships will Brady win after they win it this year? I don't know, Bob. I just six, seven, maybe I think. The the same the same number of career wins Ellis Johnson has as a head coach. Maybe not even that (laughs) maybe more than he he doesn't have any. No, he's 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 an over after Saturday, Will Hall will be the third head coach at Southern Miss in the past 365 days to surpass Ellis Johnson in career wins as a head coach at the University of That's Southern cool. Mississippi. That's and and really former, cool. former coach Scotty Walden is at Austin. Of course, they're playing hotty toddy this week. All right. So that ought to be, Go, Scotty. Joy yeah, Lee Nellis on the Eagle Hour tomorrow. Also, we're going to update you on all the activities that are going to be taking place on the campus Saturday, so you don't want to miss that. And we'll be back at 1 o'clock. Until then, Southern Miss. To the top. top. Into the future. I want to fly like an eagle to the sea. Fly like an eagle. Let my spirit carry me. I want to fly like an eagle till I'm free. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.